I want to call your attention now to the portion that we read from earlier, which is John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. And we'll read together verses 43 through 45. <clears throat> John 1, 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And may God bless the reading of Holy Scripture to our hearts. Here in the opening Verses of the Gospel of John, we are at the beginning of the public ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, which began when he was 30 years old and extended, as best we can discern, for about three and a half years. And we read here in these verses, beginning back in verse 35, of the calling of the first disciples, these very first ones, these first two mentioned there uh, beginning in verse 35, were men who had originally been followers of John the Baptist during his ministry, and then John the Baptist points them to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they become his disciples. <clears throat> The names that are mentioned here uh, of those first two, the, uh, one is mentioned by name, and that is Andrew. Well, Andrew has got to tell his brother, Simon, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And then a couple of others are added to the group of disciples, Philip and Nathaniel. Nathaniel is also known as Bartholomew, son of Ptolemaeus or Bartholomew. These are names with which we become very familiar as we read the ongoing account of our Lord's public ministry here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it says that Philip and Andrew and Peter, at least, and probably Nathaniel also, were from the city of Bethsaida, verse 44. This was a, a city on the northern coast of the Sea of Galilee, very near to another city that is mentioned oftentimes, Capernaum. These were cities which, unfortunately, 
were, uh, for the most part, very unfriendly to the Lord Jesus. And you recall in Matthew 11, he mentions Capernaum and Bethsaida as cities that were ripe for judgment because of their rejection of the much truth and light that Christ had shown them. But as we look at these verses together here, I want to point out two things in particular. First of all is how Philip, in verse 45, speaks to Nathanael concerning his becoming a disciple or a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. (coughs) And though we do not have the punctuation uh, in the Greek language that we have in the English language, you cannot help but gather the sense that when Philip finds Nathaniel, he speaks with an exclamation note uh, in his voice. We have found him. There's a tone of joy and excitement. It appears that Philip could not wait to tell Nathaniel. He's eager. He seeks him out and announces to him, we have found him. Do you think that Philip could have kept it a secret? you think he could have kept quiet about it? Of course not. He was too joyful. He had to spread the word. He had to tell his friend, Nathaniel. There's a sense of Fulfillment and and satisfaction, desires fulfilled and satisfied. When he says we have found him, there's a sense of we have arrived. There is a word that we sometimes use to describe a, a moment like this. It is a eureka moment. Eureka! I've found it. And what is most interesting is this English word eureka is derived from the very Greek word translated found here in verse 45. Historians tell us that this was uh, uttered by Archimedes back a couple of hundred years before Christ when he made an important discovery in physics. Legend has it that he made this discovery while taking a bath and ran through the streets shouting, Eureka! It's like the light went on. I, I discovered it. I found it. It was the same report, by the way, and the same word that was given a day earlier by Andrew, 
to his brother Simon. Uh, in verse 41, he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Well, in Philip's uh, wording here in verse 45 to Nathaniel, we have found him, certainly suggests that Philip had in the previous 24 hours made some contact with Andrew and Peter and whoever this unnamed uh, third one was. They had all become disciples, followers, students under this master, Jesus. Now, one question that may arise in our minds is, how much had Philip been searching for Jesus? You know, we use the word find sometimes to mean uh, the, the, the conclusion to a lengthy, diligent search. Sometimes we use it in a different way as to unexpectedly discover something or stumble upon it. Let me give an illustration. You might say, I found a hundred dollars. I was walking through the parking lot and just, and there it was a hundred dollar bill. And I found it. You hadn't lost it. You weren't looking for it, but you stumbled upon it. A pleasant surprise. On the other hand, you might say, if you are an accountant who's been going over the books and trying to find the, the discrepancy in the numbers, and you say, I found a hundred dollars. And that's the end of a lengthy search, a, a sense of relief. <coughs> And it's interesting that the Greek word here, uh, for to kind of transliterate it, eureka, can be used in the same shades of meaning as in English. For example, it is sometimes used as the, the product of a diligent search. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Seek and ye shall find, and he that seeketh findeth. The same term is used by our Lord when he gives the parable of the shepherd with the one lost sheep, and he goes and finds that one. And the the parallel parable of the woman who lost a coin and she searches the house until she finds it. On the other hand, this term is used uh, later in that chapter in the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. When he returns home, the father says, he that is that was lost has been found. 
And in that particular instance, we don't have any, any hint that the father was out searching for him. The father was at home. And the son arrived. In Matthew chapter 13, the term is used in this way where the man is plowing his field. And while he's going along with his plow, doing his ordinary daily task on the farm, he finds treasure hid under the ground. Hadn't been looking for it, hadn't been expecting it, but he stumbled upon it, and so on. And so, you see, the the word can be used either way. In Philip's case, which was it? He says to Nathaniel, we have found him. Well, we don't get the impression that he had necessarily been diligently, daily looking for Jesus. We know, on the other hand, that there was on the part of the Jewish people as a whole an expectation of the fulfillment of what Moses wrote about in the Old Testament and what the prophets spoke of in the Old Testament. There was an expectation of a coming Savior. Even the Samaritans had that expectation generally as we read over in chapter 4 of the Gospel of John, the woman at the well of of, of Jacob says, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, and when he is come, he will tell us all things. Furthermore, we know that some in Jerusalem, 30 years earlier, had been more actively seeking the Messiah, or eagerly awaiting the coming of this promised Savior. Anna, it says in Luke chapter 2, spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And there's Simeon who, who had the direct prophecy that he would live to see the Messiah. And so perhaps it's difficult for us to say with any certainty how, how much Philip had been searching how much he had been anticipating or expecting the Messiah to come. We do know that some of his neighbors from Bethsaida, these that are named, Andrew and evidently Simon also, had been following the ministry of John the Baptist, and so they certainly had a stronger expectation. Whatever the case, Philip's declaration is unmistakably joyous and happy. We have found him. Whose joy is greater? The one who finds something that he'd not been looking for that is good? And wonderful are the one who's been searching a long time and desiring for a long time. Well, the, the joy is great in either case. 
and Philip's joy jumps off the page at you as you read his words here. We have found him. We have found him. Philip, of course, yet had much to learn. He wrongly identifies Joseph as the father of Jesus here. He didn't know about his virgin conception and birth. But certainly it is safe to say that Philip's life changed on that day and he was never the same. And this, beloved, is the, the joyful experience of all who come to know the Lord Jesus personally by faith in him. We come to know him as our Savior and our Lord, our Messiah, our Redeemer, our sin-bearer. The search is over. Once you have found Christ, your search is over. It is truly eureka. Your soul is satisfied, at peace. We never had deep satisfaction in anything else. Everything else was unfulfilling. It promised, but it never came through. As old Augustine said, our soul is made for God and we are restless until we come to rest in him. We have found him. Can you say with Philip, I have found him? I have found the one who satisfies the deepest longings of my heart. I have found the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. Is it not sad to see multitudes around us rejecting him and rejecting the only one who is capable of satisfying the deepest needs and longings of the human soul. So sad to see multitudes around us in this world continuing to search for happiness where it can never be found. They are doomed for failure until they find Jesus. Now, this is the way that Philip describes his experience. We have found him. But I want you to notice, secondly, how the Holy Spirit describes this experience, speaking through John, the apostle, the inspired writer, as to how Philip became a disciple. And for this, we must look at verse 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and notice the wording here, and findeth Philip. It's the same word. In verse 43, we read that Jesus found Philip. 
In verse 45, we read Philip saying, I found, or we found Jesus. And when you compare these two, the more you consider it, the more you realize and see something, I would, I would say almost humorous in, in Philip's own description. Did I say Peter earlier? It's Philip. For him to come and declare, we have found him, is only part of the story. Behind that, beneath that, is this, that Jesus found Philip. Of course, each statement is true. Each one found the other. What Philip said about finding Jesus in verse 45 was undoubtedly true. And what we read in verse 43, written uh, here by John the narrator, is also true. Each found the other. But the finding that Jesus did came first. It had priority. It came prior to the finding that Philip did. Philip's finding of Jesus was the result of Jesus finding Philip. And a few weeks ago, we looked at the whole subject of cause and effect And here again we see the importance of a right understanding of that. Christ's finding Philip was the cause. Philip finding Christ was the effect. It was a reciprocation. Much like the verse that says we love him because he first loved us. Our love to Christ is not original to us. It is a reflection of his love to us. In the same way, Philip's finding of Jesus is a reciprocation of Jesus' finding of Philip. And so, let's think about this previous finding then that occurred in verse 43 where Jesus finds Philip and says to him, follow me. Was this an accidental finding? Was this just the kind of finding that Jesus just happened to stumble across Philip as he's getting ready to leave town and uh, go into uh, Galilee? (coughs) Of course not. Ultimately, the truth is, The Lord Jesus Christ came all the way from heaven to earth to seek and find Philip. As he said in Luke chapter 19, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he came to seek and to save Andrew and Simon Peter and Nathaniel, and a a great multitude without number of others, including you and me, believer in Christ. 
He came to seek and to find and to save. Thank the Lord. It was a very intentional finding. It's interesting, by the way, that the same term is used in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 12, when we read this, By his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And the word translated obtained is the same word translated found here in these verses before us. By his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having found eternal redemption for us. It's as if he sought our redemption and found it in his own substitutionary obedience. He found our redemption in his own blood and righteousness. What can we say about being found by Christ, being redeemed by him? There's no joy that compares to it. There is a radical transformation that occurs when he finds us. When he speaks as he did to Philip here in verse 43 and says, follow me. It's a powerful call. It's an irresistible call. He says, be my disciple. Be my follower. Come to me. Believe on me. Trust in me. And so, putting all this together, we see that Jesus found Philip, and Philip describes it as having found Jesus. Which joy is greater, that of finding Christ or knowing that you have been found by him? Well, thank God for both joys, which are truly one and the same. But let me ask you this now, Christian friend. Have you come to see that your finding Christ is the result and effect of his finding you? Do you understand that all of the credit and praise for salvation rightly belongs to God? And we must never ascribe our salvation to our own insight and wisdom and efforts and power and choice and so on. All praise belongs to him who has found us by his great grace. Him who came from heaven to earth to seek and to save us. Let me then make some observations here about all of this. And in a way, this is, is a good counterpart to what we considered in the previous hour concerning God's decree. The first observation is this. 
A young believer is usually not aware of Christ having found him. He is only aware that he has found the Lord. And we all naturally speak in terms of our own perspective and our own experience. And we say, I found him. And we rejoice to have found him for whom our soul had longed. But as we grow in the grace and knowledge of God, and as we come to understand more fully his character and his dealings with us, (coughs) we learn that behind our finding him is his finding of us. I don't know how long it took for Philip for this to sink into him. And perhaps he thought, you know, I I stated this in in a, a rather simplistic way that we have found the Messiah. I'm sure at some point Philip came to consider and, and understand that Jesus had found him. And I, I say that again to emphasize this point. If you have found Christ, you can be sure that he found you first. Thank the Lord. But let me go on to say this. Even in a more mature way of thinking and a mat- more mature understanding of all of these things, we may still speak from both perspectives. There's nothing that Nathaniel said here that is, that is wrong or, or needed to be corrected. And I think it's very interesting that the Apostle Paul, as an apostle, as a mature saint, seems to have struggled in a way, if I can say that reverently, and there are a few passages where it seems as if he has to correct his own way of speaking. Let me give these examples. He says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And here is the the, the clarification. He says, I'm alive. I'm alive in Christ. And yet, he says, it's not I, but Christ liveth in me. There's something of of an inspired correction there, if we can call it that. It's true that he was alive. It's also true that His life was all wrapped up in Christ, and it's really Christ living in Paul. Again, in the book of Galatians, we read this, uh, these words. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God. Yes, we come to know the Lord. But beneath all of that is being known by the Lord. And we have this inspired clarification. 
even by this mature apostle. Consider furthermore what he says to the Corinthians in this 15th chapter of the first epistle in the context of, uh, of his apostleship. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. And he's speaking of the other apostles. And then there is this qualification or clarification, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He says, I've stated it in such a way as someone might think that I'm taking credit for it in some way or that I was working in my own power and strength in some way. I labored more abundantly than they all. No, it was not me. It was the grace of God which was with me, which enabled me, which helped me. And there's one other passage like this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says in verse 11, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, But I follow after, I pursue, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm seeking after him. I'm seeking to lay hold of him even at this stage in my life because he's the one who has laid hold of me. I want to catch him who has caught me. And so I read these verses simply to make this observation. Even as mature believers, we may speak from both perspectives. And I would go on to say this. Those who see only one perspective, one or the other, are in some ways lopsided and unbalanced. On the one hand, there are some who never seem to understand that their finding of Christ is really a response to his finding of them. And you hear people say some very silly things, and maybe silly is too nice of a word, They say things like, oh, God has done all that he can, and the next move is up to us. Well, that's simply a denial of the word of God and of the cause and effect as it is set forth in the word of God. Do you think Philip would have ever found Jesus if Jesus had not found him? Of course not. And pity those who never see or never come to see the prior workings of grace in their own experience and in the experience of others as well. On the other hand, there are some who become so fixated 
on God's prior action that they don't seem to have any room for a Philip saying something like, we have found him. Or for Andrew saying the same thing in, in verse 41. They would perhaps rebuke Andrew and Philip for speaking in such terms. And they would conclude one of two things. Either Andrew and Philip weren't really converted here at this point. Their heart had not been renewed. They were still in their sins. Otherwise, they would have stated it more accurately. Or at least, they should have kept quiet until they understood more theology. And they shouldn't have been running around uh, talking to Simon Peter and Nathaniel and uh, trying to bring them to the Savior. They would have Philip come to Nathaniel and say, the Messiah found me. Can you imagine how confusing that might be to Nathaniel? How awkward it would be? It might leave him saying, well, maybe the Messiah will find me. The way that Philip says it, and the way that Andrew said it the day before, was an encouragement to these others to seek and find the Lord. It was an encouragement to Peter. It was an encouragement to Nathaniel to come and see. Come and see. And so we need to see both the perspective of verse 45 and the perspective of verse 43. And as we have seen somewhat in our study of the confession, and we'll see it again, when Christ has determined to save a soul, he sweetly draws us to himself. He brings us, he, he pulls us in to himself. And he, I say he does it sweetly. And by sweetly, I mean he does it in such a way that we come running, eager. We don't want to stay away. He makes us willing. He doesn't save a person against his will. He changes our will so that we are willing. And the best illustration that I can think of is this. We sometimes speak of the romance of a couple in similar terms. We say, he chased her until she caught him. What we mean is that there was an eagerness on the part of both parties. And that's how the, the mystery of grace works in our hearts to draw us to Christ. Yes, he loves us first, but he causes us to love him. 
And then he, we not only reciprocate his previous love, but then in some way he even reciprocates our love to him and says, I love them that love me. The Lord's way of, of arranging these things is marvelous. It's beyond our comprehension, really. But let us adore him for his work of grace in us. That leads me then to this observation. God does work through means. We see means at work all the way through here. We see, at least beginning in verse 35, we see John the Baptist being the instrument to point Andrew and the other unnamed one to Jesus. And then we see Andrew being the instrument to go and find Simon Peter and bring him to Jesus. And then we see Philip being the instrument to bring Nathaniel to the Lord Jesus. In fact, I want you to notice the same verb is used all the way through here. What at least, uh, is it four times here or five in these verses? Notice what it says in verse 41 about, about Andrew. He first findeth. Now, if the Lord is going to find Simon Peter, he's probably going to use Andrew to find him. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And we see the same thing in verse 45. Philip findeth Nathanael. If the Lord is going to find a Nathanael, he's probably going to use a Philip to find him and to be a witness to him. May God help us who know the Lord to be eager and zealous witnesses for him to endeavor to find others for the Lord. And to encourage them to seek and find him. May God give us more of this zeal and urgency that we see in Philip here and in Andrew here. And then last of all, what about those who have not found the Lord? Well, one thing we can say for sure, they haven't sought him. They haven't been looking for him. And if you're not seeking the Lord, then you have no legitimate complaint that you haven't found him. And if you're not seeking him, you have no legitimate complaint that he hasn't found you. 
you cannot blame him for withholding from you that which you never wanted, that which you never asked for, that which you never sought. His promise is that he will be found by those who seek him. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. And while he says on the one hand, I am found of them that sought me not, the promise is to those who seek. He has promised to be found by those who seek him with their whole heart. In the words of the prophet Jeremiah, ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And so, are you seeking him? Are you seeking him with your whole heart? If not, then I want to encourage you to seek after him now and seek him today and seek him until you find him. Do not delay because he has warned us that a time will come when it will be too late. When they shall call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but shall not find me. And so the time to search and find the Lord is now, now. Oh, that every soul here today might find him and be found by him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, work in our hearts. Show us the greatness and the vastness of your grace and that you are the source, the author and finisher of our faith and our salvation. We pray that you would work in every heart here today and that those who are not seeking after you would seek now and would be diligent in seeking until they find you. We pray for your grace to be revealed unto them. Have dealings with us, we pray all of us this day. In Jesus' name, amen.